0: Before we get started, I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by the Steady Beat Survival Guide. In this free ebook, I share my top 20 favorite songs and chants for Steady Beat in the elementary music classroom. To grab your free copy, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash steadybeat. Again, that's thatmusicteacher.com slash steadybeat. You can also check out the show notes wherever you're listening to this episode now. You're listening to That Music Podcast with Bryson Tarbin the curriculum designer and educational consultant behind That Music Teacher and the Elementary Music Summit. Each week, Bryson and his guests will dive into the reality of being an elementary music teacher and how music can truly be transformative in the lives of the students you serve. Show notes and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at thatmusicteacher.com. Hello and welcome back to That Music Podcast. I'm so excited to have Adrian Gordon to chat about a new book that he's been releasing and talking about how we can build community in the music classroom and in our music programs. And I'm really excited to dive into this because I know that we have a lot of people in this audience that are doing all types of different things in the music world. So Adrian, thank you so much for chatting with me tonight.
1: Absolutely. I'm so happy to be with you.
0: So before we get too far into the weeds, I would love for you to kind of introduce yourself a little bit. You know, who are you? Where, what is your background and kind of what drew you to, you know, what, what made you the person you are now and kind of what led you to that point?
1: Well, I'm right now, I just moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, but I'm originally from Miami, Florida, and I lived there all my life. And, um, you know, I just been involved in music, like most people in school, um, went to uh, music school at University of Miami. And um, from there, I started teaching and I ended up really being drawn to the idea of composition and composing and um, being in front of orchestras and uh, having them play my music and connecting with students in that way. And then I just really kind of fell in love with teaching and um, I've just been doing it ever since. So that's been really nice. It's been, what, 18 years now that I've been teaching. Um, and I love it. And I've kind of done a mix of everything. I've done general music, K through four. I've done. Um, I've been an assistant band director. I've been a choir director. And I guess my passion is my love of uh, strings. I love that, and I think that when when I read your
0: bio, I was really kind of drawn to how just how many different areas you've kind of worked in in the musical realm, um, which is kind of what drew me towards the book that we're going to be talking about today. Um, so, can we can you talk a little bit about your book and about what really what kind of need you have re- were you recognized to fill this need when you created the market?
1: Yeah, well, like I said, I've been in several different areas, and I always um, I, I found overlapping patterns of the things that I needed to do as I transitioned to each uh, position in each role. And then as I uh, transitioned in my last school, I found that it was really difficult. And I really had to dig deep and figure out, okay, I've done this before, but I, I really got to sit down and think about it and maybe write some of these ideas down. Um, and I was also having conversations with you know music colleagues and just fleshing some things out. And that's kind of how it came to be through conversations and really thinking about the things that I had done in the past and gaining clarity by writing them down and then I started to realize there's not m- there's not many resources out there for people who are transitioning into a new position you know you learn a lot a lot of pedagogy a lot of educational theory in school but you don't really figure out how to do kind of those unspoken things like building community in a program how you transition how you take care of yourself what to expect creating culture uh, clarifying your vision all those things you don't really learn in music school so i felt like this was a great opportunity to contribute because you know i always feel as though we should leave the profession in better shape than we found it so i felt this was a great opportunity to contribute to the profession and help others I I think that you bring up a really good point. Is
0: (laughs) so many times in so many areas of teaching, the the things that really kind of allow us to have that strong foundation, like you said, those unspoken things, no one really teaches you. You're kind of expected to figure it out, and then you get dropped in a position or you get put into a new position, and you have to kind of figure this out on your own. So as I was reading through this book, obviously I've um, not (laughs) trying, I'm not in the middle of a transition, but I think that there is a lot of really good points in here for those that even if they're staying in the way they're at or just moving into their first position. But one quote that really kind of struck me to my core from the beginning that I want to kind of discuss before we get too deep into this interview is, is, was the interview literally on page four, very, very quickly. It says, almost no one outside of our field will understand the skill development and the emotional and physical investments that we have to make behind the scenes to push our students and our programs to their greatest potential. When I read mm-hmm. that, I was literally kind of blown away because I think that that's exactly right is there is very often so much happening behind the scenes that no one really knows what's going on. And what I love about the way that you, you've you kind of structured the book is that there's like work you can do to help you kind of find your vision and kind of figure out what you want your position to be what you want your program to be and how you can make your students the center of that so I I just want to give a little little plug there because it's a wonderful um, resource that honestly I've been using and I'm not even in transition
1: (laughs) well thank you I appreciate that that's really nice of you
0: so community building in the classroom is kind of my favorite thing it's If I could spend an hour doing anything and know that I'm going to get time back in my classroom, it's building community. I I think we all know that when students want to be there and they feel like they're a part of a place, that they are likely to do what you want them to do and, and to be, you know, kind of go along with the goals you're doing. So can you talk a little bit about, in your opinion, what makes the music classroom the perfect place to really work on building a community rather than it just being another class that they might go to?
1: Yeah, well, like you were alluding to uh, with that quote, people really don't understand what we're doing behind the scenes. They think, you know, you just get up on stage and all the magic happens. But there's so many intricacies and so many nuances with building relationships with the kids that has to happen. You know, you can't expect a group to play well, like you said, if for one, they don't want to be there. And uh, and that kind of goes to what I talk about in the book, your, your why versus your what. I think it's important that we're introspective as music educators and remember why we got into teaching. And yes, it's because of our love of music, but also because our love of people. And we need to uh, make sure that we realize and kind of stay on track with our professional purpose that the music happens to be a vehicle uh, for touching lives. So I think it's so important um, to really focus on Building that community, building those relationships so that then you can have a wonderful program. And all those things are kind of a byproduct of the hard work that's been put in um, with building relationships with students and uh, other faculty and administration. All of that really contributes to building a stellar program. I think you bring up an
0: incredibly overlooked point which is that if you are focusing on the the why the what is going to happen you know it's 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 going to happen as a byproduct and sometimes we focus so much on the what that we are actually getting in the way of the why i mean i thinking back to my own experience going through music education whether it be elementary middle school high school or beyond i I never thought of that music class as just another class, because for me, that was where I knew that I would be accepted for who I was. That was where I knew that I could be the hyperactive ADHD kid that I was and know that that was okay, and that my my expression making and the way that I was making music was valid and was part of Of what people wanted. And that's something that I think all educators strive for. But sometimes we get stuck in our own way that really makes it harder.
1: Yeah, we don't realize that we're we're kind of getting in our own way. And like you said, the, the music program, the music room, I think, should always be that fortress of solitude for our students, you know, that place where they can go and say, you know what, no matter what happened today, no matter what happened during lunch, you know, I can come here and this is my safe spot. You know, I'm welcome here. Um, I can express myself here. I can be creative here. I can, you know, talk here. So that's the kind of atmosphere I think um we should all be setting for our students and I think because of that we're going to have a really strong uh program like I said before as a byproduct of that.
0: And I think giving other teachers a little bit of a break for a little bit, you know, or or a little bit of a, (laughs) an understanding is that, you know, we do, we have the luxury of being able to see these students for multiple years. Um, And that, that does allow us to create a deeper sense of community than you might be able to get in one semester, you know. Um, But it also adds to that responsibility because if we don't do it right from the beginning, it's really hard to, rebuild a community which you know is kind of the whole point of this transition so i would love for you to chat a little bit about what are some of your ways some of your favorite ways that you've done i would if you have any specific examples that you have how you've done in in the past i'd love to hear them about how you've built community within a program whether it be high school middle school elementary whatever age or ensemble type i think that that could be really helpful in just seeing what possibilities are out there
1: yeah, I mean, I, just thinking back from memory, um, and that I can go into some of the specifics in the book, but I just think back to when I was in high school. And of course, you know, my favorite subject was music, but I think back to my math class. And that was one of my favorite classes. And I got to tell you, I don't even like math. But it was because of the way that the, the teacher approached the subject. Um, he spent time talking to us, and not just about the, the content, but just about life. He would talk to us like we were human beings. He would ask our opinions. We would just have these really profound conversations and still get work done. And I just thought, man, you know, I love coming to this class and I don't even like math. And I think that's so important when we think about our own classroom. Yes, we love music and we have this passion and drive for music as educators, but our students may not. But how do we still create that environment where it's still their favorite place to be? And I think um, just like I, I... I experience in my math class, am I connecting with my students? Am I having discussions other than the content? Can I talk to them like a human being and um, find out what their interests are? Um, so to that end, in what I do in my own classroom, I try and make it a light, lighthearted and you know, light tone as the students come in. We always start off with a joke for the day. And I make it as cringy as possible, <laughs> um, so that way the kids who aren't awake yet they definitely will when they hear my cringy dad joke. Um, but that's one way, and then I let them if they have a joke or two they want to come up and tell their joke. And it just kind of breaks the ice. It gets us uh, ready for the day, gets us relaxed, and um, that you know that's the one important way that I always like to start my class. Um, but there's other ways too. I, I think you can also just be human talk about your experiences and you know you don't have to be uber uh personal but you know talk about your interests you know i like to talk about my interest with in composing my students i like to talk about you know maybe some of my hobbies but nothing too personal because you, you want to be professional and you want to be appropriate but i think just expressing yourself and talking about your own humanity uh, i think it's going to allow them to relate to you a little bit better and see you as more than just a teacher but a person. And I think that's really important.
0: I, I, I love how none of what you just said had anything to do with the way you're teaching music or like what you're teaching in music. And I agree with that completely. I, when kids know that you're, another part of this community whether the, you know the roles are obviously a little different but when we as a teachers are able to share a little bit about of ourselves and you know share that excitement have those cringy jokes let's be honest sometimes it's the kids that go oh that was so cringy they're the ones that need that the most and they're the yeah. ones that that meant the most to them even if they they don't let you show it um, but I I really think that's another thing that brought that really kind of stood out to me in this section of the book is you're talking about sharing parts of your life because because we, the, I think the dynamic sometimes we have with students um, is is weird because if we were to compare teaching into any other corporate setting, our students really aren't our students. They're kind of our coworkers. I mean, obviously there's yeah. definitely a different leader, but we spend all day in a meeting with them essentially. So we spend yeah. a lot of time with these kids if we're not letting us share parts of ourselves with them and them share parts of themselves with us, there's no way we're going to build that community. And if we don't have that community mindset, they're going to be so much less likely to want to try new things that might fail, but might succeed in incredible ways.
1: Yes, absolutely. And ultimately, when you think about it, your job depends on their success. So you really need to do everything in your power to make sure that they're successful. Um, You want to see them success, be successful, and and that's what we're there to do. But uh, yeah, I I think as long as that's our our number one goal, uh, building that relationship with the students, I really think almost everything else will fall into place. Um, And and like you said, it it really has nothing to do with how you're teaching music, because that can be unique to each music educator. But the way that you draw the students in, uh, really will kind of affect everything else that you're doing. You know what I mean?
0: For sure. And I think when I think, when I, th- I, would, I would argue that when most of us think back to our favorite teachers and our favorite classes, probably wasn't because of the content they teach or how much the teacher knew. It was about how we were able to be a part of that class, how we were able to be a part of the lesson. How are we able to feel validated. And that's really why it stuck with us forever.
1: Yeah. And you're never going to hear a student say, I remember this teacher, they completed every lesson plan and <laughs> you know what I mean? That's never going to be <laughs> the sure. highlight of their experience. It's always going to be what what made it so special was the fact that I interacted with my, my teacher, with my peers, and we accomplished things. I felt, you know, I felt accomplished. I felt like I could be creative. I felt like I fit in. All those things are really important and will speak to how much they hold on to those memories, not necessarily how much we, you know, check off a box and complete the lesson plan and finish these standards and whatnot.
0: So I want to kind of shift gears a little bit, and I would love for you to talk about what you mentioned in the book about sharing your students' accomplishments, because I think this is something that we kind of understand, but the implementation of it can get a little bit strange. Because we want to tell, you know, kind of share people, but we don't want it to do it in a way that is, you know, othering or anything like that. So how do you kind of hype up your students when they do these awesome things that they're doing?
1: I think clear lines of communication are really the way to go without being uh, braggadocious. And, And really, you always want to center it back to the kids because they're the ones that have the achievements. So, if you can communicate, uh, you know, via email, making sure that you're highlighting um, achievements that the students have. You know, if they they did a solo at uh, an adjudication, or if they, I don't know, if they're performing for a nursing home and you know they're really doing some great work, and uh, it could be anything. It can really be anything that they're doing um, that really just needs to be highlighted. I remember in my last school, I had students, uh, two particular students who were had such a a wonderful heart and they were creating happy birthday videos for people in the nursing homes because, you know, they just didn't have much contact during COVID. So they were creating individualized birthday videos every single day. And I just thought that was such a beautiful thing. And I I really wanted to highlight those students. And in whenever you're transitioning or if you're in a position for a long time and you're, you're not necessarily connecting with the people around you, it's really hard to argue with this, the success of students. You know what I mean? Because that's what we're there for. So when people see students doing such great things, it's really hard to be upset with that and and not want to celebrate that. And if they are upset with that, then you know that's a clear sign that you might not be in the right spot. But overall, I think being clear and always pointing back to the accomplishments of the students, whether whether it be through uh, email, uh, whether it be through social media, you know, a lot of times uh, schools or districts will have a social media person who can highlight some of those things. They'll come around, and take pictures. Um, if you can be really proactive about getting those things on social media, you know, as long as you have permission for the administration, I think it creates awareness and it, it creates a fan base. You know, people see, hey, these kids are doing great things. They're successful. They're having fun. That's what you really want. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of these school
0: districts, you know, they, like you said, they have social media people, and they want that content. They want to be able to share what the district is doing. They want to be able to share what the students Absolutely. are accomplishing. And I, I bet most of them would be like, "Yes, please send me pictures. Please tell me how that goes." And just kind of flip on the other side is, you know, even if nobody sees it but the students, the students get to see that they're being recognized for their hard work. Because I think that that's something that we can get a little confusing on how we recognize a product versus work and i that's one of my favorite things to do is to share the process rather than only the final thing and even if it's like before and after or you know sending pictures of people doing a rehearsal rather than a performance enjoying how we're working Mm -hmm. on it and that's a great way to emphasize the gain rather than just the final product and i think Whatever you do, just recognize your students. They're doing crazy, amazing things.
1: Yeah, it's about that journey, like you're saying, that the journey is important. And I think, like you said, even if nobody sees it, the kids will see it. They're going to seek themselves out. Hey, look, I'm featured here. I'm really proud of this. And that's just going to motivate them. And, you know, I remember in my last school, we would highlight kids on a weekly basis on, on every Friday, my elementary kids, we would highlight the ones who wanted to kind of showcase what they've been working on in in the method book and they felt really proud of it and i would say hey well who wants to be highlighted this week on social media um so you'd have kids who would run home and practice 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 and this wasn't a requirement it was just something that they wanted to do uh they wanted to have that that showcase of of their talent um and it made a difference to them and it was intrinsic it was something that they Felt happy about something that they felt comfortable with. And I I think it it was kind of infectious. You started to see a lot of kids kind of buy into that and want to follow suit.
0: And I think what's great about that is not only is it building community within the program itself, it's also building community support, which is a whole other wonderful Mm -hmm. thing that can make or break a program. Um, And I think when you have that cycle of community within a program that's feeding community support, that helps feed back into community within a program, whether it be at the high school level, whether it be the elementary level, whatever, I think that community needs to be the center of it and that will allow us to to reach the collective goals that we have
1: yeah i've I've been thinking about this a lot and i'm thinking about maybe doing some research on this in the future but if you think about why athletic programs are so successful it's because they have a huge community component and all the successes of the athletes on the field or on the court or wherever are highly publicized And I think that's kind of a model I think we can mimic where we build that community. um, We have people in in community often. You know, that's another thing that you see in athletic programs. Parents are together often. You know, students are are together often. Um, I think if we can kind of model that, uh, I think we'll see a lot more interest and buy-in and growth to our music programs.
0: I agree. And I think... that there is a lot of things that could change in music for better or for worse but i think if we are doing it in a way that we're making sure that like you said the students are are at the center of it as well as the why of why we believe in music education and why Mm -hmm. we decided that this was the route we were going to go on i think that's where we're going to be successful absolutely absolutely so Adrian, I've loved our conversation, and I know there we could you know community building is something we could talk about for hours. <laughs> but I would love yeah. for you to let my audience know where can we learn more about you, um, about your book and about other projects you might be working on in the future.
1: Yeah, well, the book is called "Note to Self: A Music Director's Guide for Transitioning to a New School and Building a Thriving Music Program," and uh, it's available on Amazon. And any news or um, Anything that anyone wants to learn about me, they can find it on my website at AdrianGordonmusic.com. Everything's there.
0: All righty. Well, I really appreciate you, uh, one, sending me this book because I, I really, truly have found it very interesting, um, even as someone who's not in a transition myself. Um, but I thank you again for also chatting with me and sharing this information with my audience and just for all that you do um, for music educators
1: and for the students that you serve. Absolutely. I'm I'm really happy to be here with you. And I really hope this book can uh, help other educators.
0: Thank you so much, Adrian.
1: Thank you.